the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report, where we do our very best every week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stallmacher. I'm here with Chad Robichaux, and so glad to have you join us today. There is a well-known video of Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and he's talking about various things, and he makes a statement that in any crisis situation, he always gives the encouragement. In fact, I think he says it came from his mom to him, and he continues to give the encouragement to look for the helpers. When things are out of control, when there's chaos, when there's violence, when there's confusion, look for the helpers. It's a great quote, and it's a great interview. At the end of it, he says this. He says, if you look for the helpers, you know that there is hope. If you look for the helpers, you know that there is hope. What a great statement. And is it any wonder that in our current cultural environment, we're struggling with hope? (laughs) In so many ways, we have made the helpers the enemy. Those men and women in uniform in all areas of our first responder community, the helpers, uh, we've really pitted them against culture, and we're in a very difficult day. Uh, Chad, I know that you served as a police officer and organizationally in the Mighty Oaks Foundation, we do our best to serve those in the first responder community. But this is a crazy time to be in, uh, in that community. And God bless police officers. Yeah. Bible says in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, you know, this is a time right now where I just play, pray, you know, of, of the, all the things I pray for, I pray that God just blesses the, the police officers, the peacemakers, uh, protects them, keeps them safe, keeps them motivated. Yeah despite everything that's said against them, the mainstream media, political pundits who are positioning themselves for political favor to attack our police officers, defund our police officers, love police officers or hate police officers. Everybody needs police officers. Right. <laughs> I, I'm really kind of, I probably shouldn't love it, but I'm loving these videos where these people are out there protesting the police and then something happens to them. Like they get punched in the face by somebody <laughs> that they're, they're antagonizing. And the first thing to do is, Somebody call the police. Call the police, right. Call the police. I mean, um, you know, this, these police officers, the same people who are ambushing them, threatening to kill them, spitting in their face, these police officers will run into a fire. They're yep. running a gunfire. Yep. They're running into anything uh, that puts their life in danger to save the very people that are, uh, that are going after them. And that just says something about who they are mm. and why we need to support them despite the few, the very few bad ones they are, because they, of course they are. Uh, we need to support them. We need to stand up for them and we need to be praying for them uh, because they're in a difficult time right now uh, in 2020. And, and I think moving ahead. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a crazy, crazy time. And thankfully we have a wonderful guest on with us today. who's going to help break some of this down. We have with us today, the great Brandon Tatum. Uh, I was telling Brandon just a minute ago when I told my son that Brandon was coming on the show, 
Uh, for one split second, I was a hero to him. So, <laughs> so I'll take whatever I can get. And uh, so stoked to have Brandon with us. He is the founder of the Tatum Report on TatumReport.com, former Tucson police officer and co-founder of Blexit. And uh, Brandon, one thing I, I love about how you describe what you do on your website, you give political commentary, but you also give direction. It's the question of what do we do about it? And uh, I love that. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. It's, it's an honor to have you with us. Yeah, my pleasure. And tell your son I say hello. I'll do it. Awesome. Hey, Brandon, uh, you know, I was a police officer in New Orleans in the late 90s. And uh, and I look at policing today and I'm like, man, you know, it's so different from when I when I was a police officer. And uh, and I'm sure it's different from when you were a police officer. Police officers today just have so many tremendous challenges uh, across the country right now. Can you just give us a general overview of the state of policing in the United States and in 2020? Yeah, I, I left policing in 2017, and, and I can tell you right now in 2020, it seems to be incredibly uh, more difficult, more strenuous, more hated. Uh, and it's a sad state of affairs for law enforcement in America. Now, let's be honest with ourselves. You know, there's there's not, not every city around the country is treating their police officers poorly. There are cities in Houston and, and other areas of the country that they love law enforcement and they refuse to bash their police, defund their police, and different things like that. But when you speak in, speak about policing in general, it's a very sad day. You know, people are, they're getting defunded. People actually hate the police. They're getting ambushed. They don't have the support they need. They they actually go out and do things according to the law, use of force according to the law, and they go to jail. I, I mean, it, it is yeah. it is becoming catastrophic. And one thing that, that comes to my mind when I think of law enforcement in America that makes me reflect, you know, uh, uh, back to when I was patrolling, you know, I, I just really want to uh, use my platform as an opportunity to encourage those who are in law enforcement right now going through this to, to remember why they put on the badge. Remember mm-hmm. that it's more than a job, it's a calling. So hopefully we can, uh, with the badge, we can promote uh, some positive for police in America. We, uh, we see everything that's going on with police officers on the news. So we, we see that from afar and uh, the violence and all of the things that are involved in that. Uh, one thing we often miss is the impact to the mental health and the relationships of those police officers um, with their families, um, you know, the relationships with their jobs. Chad and I, in our, our real job, <laughs> uh, we run an organization for veterans and service members dealing with, with trauma related to combat and other things. And so often it's not the event, it's not the, uh, the combat, it's not the violence that causes the problems, it's everything that comes after that. And I'm afraid that what we're going to see in our law enforcement community is that. What is the impact to the mental health and the relationships of our men and women in uniform because of what they're living through right now? Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine that the suicide rate has jumped in, in a tremendous way in law enforcement. I mean, even before all of this, just going to work every day can create right. a situation where people have more divorce right. than, than any other profession in the country. You know, um, and when I was going through the academy, they told us that the average life expectancy for a police officer is like 53 years old. And that's after retirement. In many wow. cases, police officers just completely crumble and fall apart. One, because of all the stress that they've endured throughout their career. And the second thing is that they don't feel like they have a purpose anymore. And, and that's, sim- that's similar to people in uh, in the military. Absolutely. Feeling like they don't have a purpose after they serve, yep. and then they go down the spiraling uh, path of destruction. But when, when you look at the hatred, 
when you look at an, an officer that has spent the majority of their career serving and protecting people, and now you got to walk around with your head down in many cases, and you can't even speak out to have a tremendous effect on the family. When you go home, how is your relationship with your wife? How are your relationships with your children and friends uh, going to be when there's such incredible stress from the job and then the external stress from what America has done to policing? So I think it, it has caused a, a huge problem. A lot of my friends that I know that are still policing, I mean, they are they're at wit's end. Many of them have already quit. Uh, some of them want to quit. Uh, I've heard stories from individuals who have reached out to me that I don't particularly know personally that have said, look, I, I don't even patrol anymore. Mm. You know, I, I lay low unless somebody needs me, life yeah. or death situation. Other than that, I'm not proactive policing. And and that's the spirit of policing. That that tells me that people have lost the spirit right. of policing in this country. And, and it has a, a matriculation effect um, in a negative way on people's lives. Yeah. Wow. Ultimately, I mean, the people that are most hurt are the people in the communities. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just such a sad scenario. I, I think one of the things that, you know, from me just being an outside now looking in, is just the perspective that people just can't grasp what it's like to sit in a patrol car, to, to be behind that badge, to have to make momentary decisions uh, between life or death for themselves or people around them. And uh, I think for uh, it's really hard if you're, never been in law enforcement, never been in those situations to really understand what police officers are dealing with. But everyone seems to try. Mainstream media <laughs> seems to try and uh, people in, in communities and, you know, people who are pundits against policemen, they, they tend to want to try to put themselves in, in the police officer's shoes and say what they would have done. Uh, can you describe some of the unique challenges that law enforcement uh, faces every day? I know you and I both know, but just for some of the listeners, some of the unique challenges that police officer might face. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is MightyOaksPrograms.org. Well, for, first I'll start with saying that uh, people have no idea what police do. They have right. no idea. Right. None. If you think you have an idea, you probably have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, when I, I tell you what, the reason why I say that, because I was a private citizen at some point, and then I became a police officer, and I realized that cops do not explain it. Movies don't explain it. Mm. Um, and I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an honest perspective. The Academy doesn't even explain what it's like to really have control, what it's like to really have to arrest people, really yeah. have to put your hands on people, fight, risk your life on a day-to-day -day basis, driving code three. 
um, which is lights and sirens. There's, there's no way to replicate that. And some of the unique challenges that people may not understand, it, just in my personal opinion, is the, the amount of turmoil and death that we see. And then you have to turn around and be a normal person after right. that. I will never forget the scenario um, in, in which I had to rescue a guy who had gotten shot in the head and half his brain was missing, but he was sympathetically breathing, meaning that he had a, he had a sympathetic response. So we had to actually save his life. I mean, it's a long story. I can't get to it all, but we ended up having to rescue him with the canine dog leash to get him off of the ground. Cause he was covered in blood. Wow. We threw him on the gurney. Some of his brain matter and blood got on my uniform, my face and ended up having to run him a, a, probably a half a block to the ambulance because they can't enter the scene unless the scene is safe. And so I, I will never forget doing that. I had to go home because I had to biohazard my uniform. I had to wash my face off with this gentleman's brain matter on it. And I had to return back to work. And my first call that I went on was an elderly lady um, that had just experienced a, a burglary that was, that was over, like 10 hours old. And I remember just sitting there as she's describing to me the things that have been stolen from her residence and me completely being spaced out. Yeah, Like I just couldn't forget what I just saw. And then I have to finish my shift and go home. Mm. And I've seen kids that have lost their lives. I mean, kids that were my son's age at the time, you know, lifeless at the hospital and all the nurses and doctors are crying and losing themselves. And then you have to just suck it up. You have to act like it didn't happen. And you have to go on and start over the next day. And, and people have no idea what it's like to really be in that situation. And I'll, I'll give you another scenario just for the sake of argument. I, I, and this is one I'll never forget. And, and, and here's one thing is two things. One thing is that the streets and the locations that most people have had their first kiss at, um, that have, that have take their family to never look the same to police officers. Mm. Grant and the I-10 Many people remember that path going to work. Grant and I-10 is forever changed for me. Every time I go to the Grant Road and the I-10 in Tucson, Arizona, I see a gentleman that lost his life at the hands of a drunk driver. And the drunk driver, and I remember watching his last breath, I, I had to check his pulse and he was gone. And I remember getting his identification and seeing his whole family in his wallet. And I hmm. kept his wallet in my locker inadvertently for about a week before I was able to give it to over to evidence because it, it just, I was so mind blown at what I had just experienced and the hurt that I knew was going to come after his family found out that he was no longer coming home. And I, and people have, I guess I can reiterate this. People have no idea what that feels like. You can imagine, you can think about it, but when you see a person lose their lives, you see a father and you a father not coming home, you know, th those things stick with you forever. Uh, man, there's so much there. What, <laughs> uh, I don't even know where to go from there. I'll ask the question, what can individuals that do care, and I think by and large Americans care about law enforcement and those who, who serve us, uh, we're seeing the crazies, but most people do care, I believe. But what can individuals and communities, so that's two separate groups of people, uh, what can they do to support those in law enforcement, to show them they care, to support what they do, to encourage them as they work through some of the things you just described. Yeah, there's a, there's a myriad of different things. I know that the, the first thing that I'm going to describe is going to sound a little trivial, but if you just tell a law enforcement officer when you see them, thank you for your service. 
I, I remember how much it impacted me. You know, I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I'm in my uniform, so I'm not gonna cry in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> but there are days where I was at my wits end. I was at the end of the road thinking like, I, I don't know what I want to, I, I don't know if I want to do this ever again. I'm sick of people lying to me. You know, the world is evil. And somebody comes up to me and say, hey, I, I want to say thank you for your service. And I'm just, it all again, I just, they just restored my uh, uh, trust and faith in humanity again. And it goes a long way. You know, there's also things that you can do for your local law enforcement um, agencies going to a certain precinct or substation and just giving them cards or sending them some food, maybe ordering some pizzas. Obviously, you can you can coordinate that with the, uh, the staff there. But right. those things were incredibly inspiring to us. Um, also, don't break the law. <laughs> you know, do, do what's right. That's simple. You know, if you get pulled over, be kind. Be, be respectful to police, and I'm sure yeah. you'll get it reciprocated. Yeah. Um, and, and if you are out there and you love police, kind of like your son, um, join the police department. We need good people, good quality um, officers to join the police department, to be an inspiration to others, and also to serve their community. So there is a myriad of different ways you can get involved. Those are just a few that, when I was a police officer, was really inspiring to me. What, what are some things that community leaders can do to support their police departments? I know that's, uh, yeah, I'm in Southern California, so I'm actually in a city that has an incredible police department, and people love the police department here, but throughout our state, that has not been the case everywhere, and some of that comes from mayors and city councils. What can community leaders do to support their police departments? Well, I want to I add one more thing to the community. Don't vote in the counter interests of your police department. So mm. don't vote to defund the police if right, you are right. a citizen. That's one thing you can help by voting for the right things and voting out people who hate the police. That's good. Um, for the professionals or the what we would consider to be the, the city leaders, uh, mayors, governors, I mean, support your police officers. Stop giving lip service yeah. and saying how much you care about law enforcement, how you know how difficult the job is. Stop just running your mouth and, and just saying stuff to sound, that sound good and actually put your money where your mouth is at and start supporting them with your rhetoric. Start supporting them with funding. Start re supporting them when things come out, um, i.e. a police-involved shooting or an incident that is questionable, instead of jumping the gun and trying to be um, on the side of BLM and being woke, Right. How about you wait till the information come out and right. ensure the public that your agencies are not hiring people that are not qualified. You're not hiring racist individuals. You're screening those people out yeah. and that if you find an issue, you will address it. But until then, restore the trust that the public has in law enforcement officers until otherwise um, something is presented. So uh, leaders can do that by rhetoric. They, they, they are the biggest influence in many cases to public opinion uh, when it comes to law enforcement, when you see a, a mayor come out and say, you know, our police department is infiltrated with racism and, and you, that's just cowardice and garbage. Yeah. And that hurts uh, law enforcement all over the country. Uh, yeah. One one last question from me. You started with this, but uh, I'd love for you to circle back to it. Speaking directly to the men and women who are out there wearing the uniform, um, how would you offer hope to them? What would you tell them to do? You, you describe what they go through, what they deal with. Uh, you know, how that impacts the relationships. How do you offer hope to those folks that are out there doing that? We need them. <laughs> we need good ones. How do we keep them out there and keep them engaged? Well, I, I just tell every, every law enforcement officer that I know, every law enforcement officer that will watch this, is that remember, it's not a job, it's a calling. And nobody's called to do this job unless they're qualified. Mm. And I personally believe that God has called you to be in law enforcement and he needs you 
to do his will. He needs you to do what's right for the people. And God won't put more on you than you can bear. And that's just my personal opinion. If you're not religious and you're not a Christian, you can still, you know, take something from what I said is that you are in law enforcement with the purpose. Serve that purpose to the best of your ability. And at the end of the day, when you've done all you can do, you can retire or you can leave that profession knowing that you've answered the call. So be encouraged. There's a lot of people out here that love law enforcement, including myself and, and everybody on this on this, uh, this podcast, this show. Um, we love you. We appreciate you. You will forever be heroes in this country's eyes, no matter what the pundits say, no matter what the media That's say. Right. The people know that you guys are heroes and you, you, you women are heroes as well. So keep the faith, understand that you've been called and serve that calling and, and you will be rewarded in the end. Uh, man, would, awesome. you, would you agree? Uh, and I, I believe this to be true, but uh, would you agree that the majority of the con- of our country supports our law enforcement, despite all the rhetoric we hear? Yeah, if you go anywhere in the country and ask anybody about law enforcement, even in some of these inner cities where violence is running rampant and you see a lot of protests, if you go ask the average person, they'll say, oh, yeah, of course we need the police. Right. Who's, who else is going to investigate these crimes that, that are committed against us? You know, so I think majority of the people um, at least respect the police. Um, There's many people like myself who have a bias towards police. I love police officers. I think they are heroes. Um, And so I think that the majority of people in this country at least respect the fact that uh, the police officers have authority, that they have a tough job, and and that they're doing what's right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think police officers need to be reminded of that. Brandon, where can uh, people follow you and, and keep up with what you do? Uh, your website's amazing. You have a couple, um, and also your social media is pretty active. Where can people follow you? TheOfficerTatum.com. TheOfficerTatum.com. Uh, you go on there, you can find Tatum Report, you can find my merch, everything. All things Tatum will be on TheOfficerTatum.com. That's awesome. Brandon Tatum, thank you so much for being with us, man. It was a great honor to have you on. Yeah, God thanks. bless you. Uh, my pleasure. Make sure you have me back. Yes, sir. Hey, we'll do it. Thanks <laughs> for you do for our country, man. God bless you. All right. God bless you. What an incredible conversation with Brandon Tatum. Uh, that was one of those conversations that uh, hopefully you felt the same way that I did, that we could have gone on for a lot longer, and I would have enjoyed every minute of it. He started telling the stories of his own experience, and man, uh, it's heartbreaking, while at the same time providing a window for us to see what so many of those in law enforcement are dealing with. Uh, so many wonderful things were said there. I want to sum up for you with today's situation report. Uh, The first part is this. We need to do our very best, as difficult as it can be, and as Brandon said, it may even be impossible, but we need to do our very best to understand what our men and women in uniform are dealing with. Uh, The various situations from sitting in the living room of an elderly person who just had some things stolen from their house to dealing with violence on the streets uh, and then going home and dealing with their own families. We need to do our very best to sympathetically understand what those who protect us are dealing with personally. That's one thing. Uh, Another point that was made, and this is a very, very important point and said so well, don't vote against the police. (laughs) Don't vote for policies, for laws, for things in your community and in your state that the police will have to deal with on the other side. Vote in ways that support law enforcement. That is so critical. And then the final point, again, wonderful things were said throughout, but the final point I think made so strongly was this. If you are in law enforcement, please understand and believe 
that in spite of the rhetoric, in spite of so much of what's happened in the last couple of months in our country, in spite of what the news pushes forward, the vast majority of Americans in all communities support our law enforcement folks, support what you do, understand the need, and are very thankful and grateful for what you do, for how you do it, and hold you up in so many ways as heroes. And we're grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. If you follow this show or any of the other shows that uh, the Mighty Oaks Foundation produces, you know that policing, police officers, first responders, your community is something that we talk about often and uh, something that we'll continue to talk about because to us, you certainly are heroes. All of that and much more is your situation report for today. Again, thank you for joining us. Always a privilege to have this time with you and look forward to talking to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.